When you are looking to assemble a staff of the best football minds in America, there's only one place that you go to, and that's Baylor University, apparently. This is Locked on Baylor. You are Locked on Baylor, your daily podcast on the Baylor Bears, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Locked on Baylor, brought to you by FanDuel. Happy Tuesday to you. Bears have a big basketball game tonight, but the big news out of yesterday, kind of out of nowhere, shock number one, and then soon thereafter, shock number two. University of Alabama, you might have heard of them, football team. They have one. They're usually pretty good. Uh, they had to move on from a legend. Nick Saban retired this year. They go and they they get the coach of the national runner-up, University of Washington, and Kalen DeBoer. Good hire, I thought. Wouldn't have been the first choice, but a good hire. And he needs to fill out a staff. So he does what any good, smart coach would do, and that is look to Baylor. Do any of you know Miami University, not the University of Miami, Miami University in Ohio. Ben Roethlisberger went there. Uh, it was also produced a lot, a lot of great coaches. Uh, I believe Fielding Hurry Up Yost started there. Uh, no, sorry, Bo Schembechler started there, not Fielding Yost. Bo Schembechler and Woody Hayes, the 10-year war, Ohio State, Michigan, they started at Miami. And I bring that up to say that Miami got the nickname the Cradle of Coaches. Look no further than Waco, Texas for your new Cradle of Coaches, I guess. Because Alabama, the number one college football program of the last 15 years, poached two Baylor coaches in the same day. Chris Kapilovic and Christian Robinson. Not a good day to be named Chris and Waco if you don't want to go to Alabama. The first one was surprising in Kapilovic because he was hired in December and he got his Baylor gear. He met with his team. He, you know, got the family some Baylor sweatshirts for Christmas. And now they're getting outfitted in some Bear Bryant Argyle or, you know, the maroon of Alabama. Where did this come from, man? And I hate to be that guy who, you know, trashes a guy and his abilities as soon as he walks out the door. But I'm not going to be that guy because, to be honest with you, I didn't know much about Chris Kapilovic to begin with. I, I, I don't know. I don't think he was going to be the savior of this offensive line, but who knows? I, I tried to keep it down low when we did the, the, uh, the segment after he was hired, he's never had like a dominant offense that he's been a part of really as the offensive line coach, but he's done it for a long time and he goes off to Alabama and look, I get it. I get it. It's Alabama, right? I know it's not Saban, but it's Alabama. And another thing that interests me in this is the security of it all. Chris Kapilovic came from Michigan State, where it was a miserable season last year, a dumpster fire. Mel Tucker gets fired um, through controversy at the end of the first month of the season, and Kapilovic and the rest of his guys have to stick it out um, as it all kind of crumbles around them. Well, he comes to Baylor because that's probably the best option he had. 
coming off that season. But we have to remember, even with the positive momentum that's going Baylor's way, like Dave Aranda could get fired around the same time next year as Mel Tucker did in 2023. So yeah, it's Alabama, but it's also a chance to work under a coach who was just hired at a major program, the major program in college football, probably doesn't have to worry about going through a season like he went through in, in 2023 at Michigan State. Probably he's not going to have to deal with that this year at Alabama, but who knows, uh, right? I guess crazy things have happened. What's funny is, I'm not kidding, I saw him a week ago, as you're listening to this, it was last Tuesday at the Brazos Landing, in Waco, we were doing a remote show there for the Matt Mosley Show, ESPN Central Texas, weekdays 3 to 6, and at sendtechsportsfan.com. And he's there, you know, he's yucking it up with the guys. He takes the linemen out for dinner. Uh, he's praying with them. And lo and behold, here he is a week later, not coaching them anymore. It's business, man. I don't think it's anything personal. It stinks as a Baylor fan to have to look for an offensive line coach in what is almost almost March here, but when you get the chance to go to Alabama, you go to Alabama. And I'm pretty sure Chris Kapilovic said that to Baylor linebackers coach Christian Robinson because just hours later on Monday, they get the announcement that Christian Robinson is also joining Kaywin DeBoer's staff at Alabama. Now, this is also odd because now it's coaches who from what I can tell, don't really have a tie to DeBoer. They didn't coach at Indiana um, or Washington, obviously, or um, what whatever that powerhouse was for him in D3. Um, they, they weren't like part of these staffs, uh, but these are the guys that DeBoer handpicked. And it's one guy from each side of the ball and guys who don't really have history with each other. It's not like, uh, uh, oh, Kapilovic's in, and oh, I got this guy who I've worked with for a while for linebackers. He can come with us too. No, it's just that this is what Kaywin DeBoer has circled. Uh, Christian Robinson is an SEC guy. Uh, he was in the SEC pretty much, I think, exclusively until he got to Baylor last year um, and played at Georgia. So there's a lot of SEC history there. Uh, but it is odd from a guy from each side of the ball. It sounds like KO and DeBoer was just like, you know what? I like the look of this Baylor staff. Why don't we go take a look there? Um, so now a tough situation for Baylor to be in because DeBoer is hired late. He's finalizing a, a staff late. And it looks like that was the, these were the final two moves. And now Baylor's got to look for two position coaches. Offensive line. Maybe you move Jarrett Anderson there. He coached the offensive line at times at TCU under Gary Patterson. Um, he, uh, he coached an All-American, Avila, at, at TCU on the offensive line. Uh, so maybe that's where you go on, on for that position, on the offensive side of the ball. On the defensive side of the ball, you could go for a guy who didn't coach under Gary Patterson, but who is Gary Patterson? Strategic consultant? Gary. You notice in this contract here, we said other duties as assigned. Why don't you come and coach our linebackers too? Crazier things have happened. Crazier things have happened. You have one of the best defensive, active defensive minds in all of college football already on your staff. Does that mean that Gary Patterson focuses on linebackers too? 
Does it mean Matt Pavlich focuses on linebackers? Still the defensive coordinator, but not the defensive play caller. We'll see. But wow, what a day. <laughs> if I had told you a month ago or a month and a half ago before Nick Saban resigns, how about that? Or before he retires. Hey, this great staff that Dave Aranda has built, two of those guys are going to flip to Alabama before spring ball because that's how much they're wanted. You would have been like, what are you talking about? Clearly, for whatever his faults may be, Dave knows how to pick coaches because Alabama wants them too. That's like my 2014 Toyota Camry. Say what you want about it. I think it's a great car. People are committing violent crimes to get that car. They robbed me in my own driveway to get that car. That's what it's like for Baylor assistant coaches. Alabama just robbed us in our driveway. That's how much they want it. They're 2014 Toyota Camrys. Or something like that. Today's episode, my good friends, is brought to you by FanDuel, America's number one sports book. And the way I print my money, because they make it so easy for you to get in the game and make the game more interesting. Because right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. That's $150 if your bet wins. So bet on all your favorite NBA players and teams with quick bets, the same game parlays, the exclusive props. I can't wait for it to get back started up again to do my Jason Tatum's over every night and win a bunch of money. Just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to shoot your shot. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. Speaking of basketball, Baylor's got a big game tonight. On the road, in Provo, taking on the BYU Cougars. For the first time this year, they will see an opponent for the second time, uh, which is interesting. But they're coming off a, a cruise of a win. Uh, basically, two straight cruises of wins uh, at home to Oklahoma last week, or on Tuesday, and then West Virginia uh, on Saturday on the road. They win that by 13 but we're up as much as 22 in the second half. Now they face BYU, um, who is a, a bogey team, a dangerous team. Now they are coming off a bad loss. They lost on the road in Stillwater, 93-83 to Oklahoma State. So not only did they lose, they gave up 93 points to take your pick, either them or West Virginia, the worst team in the conference. And... Now they come back. They're going to be at home, BYU is, at the Marriott Center in B in Provo, which is, a, I think, like seventeen or 18,000 people. It's a pro arena, and they get way into it. And when you're talking about Baylor and these games remaining, this is, we are full on into the title race. In the Premier League, they'd call it the run-in. Like, we are in it for the Big 12 title. Obviously, Iowa State or Houston lost last night. Um, and so that opens the door. That makes another five-loss team, in the, or excuse me, a four-loss team in this conference. Um, and that's where Baylor's at right now, four losses in the conference. And so where you're at for these next five games here is just a no-wiggle room, man. You have to be pretty much perfect the rest of this way. Uh, you're obviously not really looking ahead, but... You've got to win this game tonight, and you've really got to win against Houston to 
to feel that you're still in that title race. That's just two ranked teams on the road, one of them being the number two team in the nation. Because uh, then after that, it doesn't get much easier. You know, you're after Houston, you play at TCU on Big Monday next week, then Kansas at home, then another Big Monday, and it's against Texas. And then you got to go to Lubbock. These are not easy games. I know none of them are easy, but these are really uneasy. Not easy. But it starts tonight with BYU. And you'll remember that game, that that was the first conference game. BYU really gave Baylor a run for their money. And we weren't sure if this Cougars team was going to be for real. And what we found out in the month and a half since then is they are. They're not conference champions, but they're for real. They're a legitimate top 25 team and barely clinging to that at this point in the season. But they deserve to be in there. And one of the big things I remember before I kind of take the takeaways from that they were win in January is leading up to that game, I kept, you know, banging the drum that they're such similar basketball teams. And what has impressed me about Baylor is in the time since then, they aren't as carbon copies, as much of a carbon copy as, as they were in the beginning of January, which I think is good for Baylor. But BYU, we know it. They shoot. They shoot the three. They shoot it a lot, as a matter of fact. Um, they're number four in the country in three-point attempt rates. They shoot it 50% of their shots or threes, their field goals. So for each layup they have, they're also going to have a three-pointer. I think that's that's just how it is. Uh, Baylor, by that same standard, would, I, I thought, I don't remember the stats for it. I, I didn't bring up the stat the first time, but I would have imagined they were very similar. They shot a high volume of threes, almost 50% uh, the last time they played. But now Baylor is 151st in the nation in that category because they only shoot it 38% from three, which I like because Baylor's offense dipped and then came back. BYU is number one in scoring offense in the Big 12 at 83 and a half points a game. Baylor is right there at 83 in number in the number two spot. So that that to me is a really good sign for Baylor fans that they have become more versatile, broadened their horizons, if you will, offensively, but are still putting up elite offensive numbers. And again, what I kind of just mentioned a minute ago. Those numbers went down, and now they're back up. So they've reinvented themselves in a good way. They have, they have worked out the kinks, and they are versatile and good. And those are two very different things. And Baylor is very much taking advantage of both of that. But BYU shoots the heck out of it. Um, that, that usage rate of 50%. They only shoot the three at 36%, which is still lower than Baylor at 40%. But... The volume is what you see. I mean, they're they're shooting, they're making three more threes a game than Baylor is. It's they're making almost twelve a game, which is pretty pretty. They're pretty comfortable at the top uh, of the Big Twelve. In fact, I think Baylor is second in that, and they're three shots of those behind. Um, the the thing that makes BYU a little bit different from Baylor is how they defend the three. Uh, they're third in the conference in opponent three-point percentage. Baylor is down in the middle of the pack there. So, and, and we've seen that this year, especially earlier in the conference schedule where teams would get real hot from three against Baylor. Some of that was just their night. Some of that is Baylor's perimeter defense, for sure. And that's something that BYU has a bit of the upper hand in. But again, I, I can't stress it enough is 
not to take anything away from BYU, they're good shooters, but so much of what they do comes from the volume, right? And I'll, I'll use another stat to kind of highlight that. In terms of true shooting percentage, both these teams are in the top 30 in the country, which is excellent. Uh, but Baylor is in the top 10. They're ninth. They shoot 60%. Baylor or BYU all the way down in 27th, shooting at 58%, which is still pretty, pretty darn good, right? But you see, you notice that Baylor's efficiency numbers across the board are better, even though they're pretty equal in the counting stats. So that's again good sign for me. That that's what separates the teams that are good and ranked and going to make the tournament and all that versus the teams that are legitimately in the race for this conference championship. Which you don't need to look far as a Baylor fan to get a good comparison for that. It's looking like last year's Baylor Bears. This BYU team is very similar in their makeup. Baylor just shot a lot of threes last year, and that was their bread and butter, and it was more a volume thing than an efficiency thing. And pretty quickly, they were out of the race for the Big 12 championship. That's why... You know, obviously the teams like Kansas and even Kansas State were in a better position for that conference championship than a team like Baylor was. I think that's why you see now this year Baylor more in that race and BYU still pretty good, but not necessarily in that race. Last game uh, these two played against each other was weird in terms of who was scoring. Uh, Jalen Bridges who was having a great year, by the way, a great year. And I want to do a segment or a show about him pretty soon here and what he's done for this team. Great year, but not like a high volume score this year. He's had two games of 20 points or more. Uh, one of them was against BYU back uh, in early January. That was his, his uh, season high, 25 points in that game. And noticeably absent from the scoring list, it was Eve Misi, who did not have a single point in that game. It's the only game he's played in this season where he has not scored and only put up two field goals. So I wonder, does that level the playing field? Because he's such a threat for them offensively for Baylor inside. And he makes a lot of things go inside the three-point arc. So if BYU can eliminate him again, I don't think he's going to be scoreless, but if they could defend him the way they did the first time uh, in 24 minutes in that game time, then, then BYU can level the playing field, make this a three-point shooting game, which at home, you, you take your chances, no matter who you're going up against, if, if you're as good a team at it as BYU is. So that was kind of the weird one um, in terms of just just a, a blank slate from Eve Misi is wild. And the, the thing too, you'll remember is uh, their big guy Khalifa couldn't get in the rhythm of the game. He, he got into foul trouble early. That's what Mark Pope was complaining about after the game. And he only played 19 minutes. So it's not like he was shutting him down the whole time. And Jackson Robinson, who is their big scorer, did not have a great game, uh, shot three of 12, one of six from three and had just 10 points in that game. Just didn't, didn't have a big impact on the game and it took Baylor being plus 15 in the second half to win the game by nine. They had to turn that script around. So you would expect Robinson and Khalifa to be more in this game tonight, but you'd also expect Eve Misi to be more in this game tonight. And one guy that basically Baylor has added from that time, the production 
that he has added to the team since that first matchup got his flowers yesterday. Who am I talking about, though? Let's talk about it after this. But first, I got to tell you about our other sponsor of today's video, and that is LinkedIn Talent Solutions. They know that owning a small business, you're wearing a ton of hats, not just my China Spring hat. You're wearing a ton of them, by the way, 1-0 China Spring going for number six this year, baseball state championships, defending champs. Anyway, it's not like any other job board. They know you've got a lot going on. They want to help you, okay? That's why they have a vast network of more than a billion professionals making it the best place to hire so easy in fact that 86 percent of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours okay they're always trying to find ways to make that process easier and that's why two and a half million small businesses use linkedin for hiring you can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college that's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free terms and conditions do apply so the big news out of baylor Monday was, of course, the two coaches being poached. But good news from the basketball front. A couple of awards for our pal Jaden Nunn, who was named Big 12 Player of the Week as well as Big 12 Newcomer of the Week. Clean sweep of it. That's because he just had 47 points in two games and I think one turnover combined in those two games. Jaden Nunn, I can't say enough about him. He's been fantastic. Just fantastic. And if you're one of those people who's looking for a silver lining, you might have already gotten one from this team through Jaden Nunn that you might not have known about. Because Langston Love has missed three straight games now. And Scott Drew yesterday on the Matt Mosley show said, um, still day to day. You probably won't know till right before the game. He did, Langston did warm up with the team on Saturday at West Virginia, which is a positive sign. And in fact, Pete Souza, who was also on the Matt Mosley show, who was on play-by-play for that West Virginia game, said he was shocked to hear that Langston Love wasn't playing just because it looked like he was ready to go. It looked like he was out there um, and with the team and, and going to be a part of that game. Instead, he wasn't, and maybe that was a precautionary thing. But in two of those three games where Langston Love has been on the bench, Jaden Nunn has gone off. And I wonder if there's a mental component to that. You know, Langston Love comes off the bench and would usually play more minutes than Jaden Nunn. It's like, we know that he's going to come off the bench and he's going to give us 15 points. And now you don't have that. And Jaden Nunn is thinking, this is my game. I'm going to play 30, 35 minutes tonight. And... I can make up for that scoring. Maybe not necessarily I need to make up for that scoring for likes and love, but I can do that. In fact, after the game on Saturday, Scott Drew said um, that he's a 50, he can be a 15-point-a-game kind of guy. And I think what he means by that is, you know, we don't need 27 or 30 from him. That's nice. But he can solidly give us 15 points a night. And back to the mental aspect of things, I just, I just wonder. I, I don't know. I'm not inside his head. But I wonder if... Jaden Nunn was forcing shots because he knew my time on the court is limited. They're going to bring Langston in here and he's going to give them the offense that they're looking for. Um, so maybe he's pressing a little bit and now he doesn't have that bearing down on him. It's, it's good competition, right? But you don't have that scorer off the bench, which is not great in the long term. But 
Jaden Nunn can make up for that production because there were legitimate, like there were legitimately games where they would amount to the same production that Jaden Nunn has the last couple of games. And what I mean by that is Langston Love will give you 20 and Jaden Nunn would give you four or five. Like, and, and he could legitimately be making up those numbers now with Langston Love out. So we'll see. It sounded optimistic that Langston could be out there tonight against BYU. I really hope that's the case. But, um, and I've said this the last couple of days, they, they have just added so much in the increased confidence and the increased scoring ability of Jaden Nunn. It's, it's like adding another player to your team that you didn't have. And Ray J Dennis has absolutely picked up that slack and there's no reason to believe they can't still produce offensively, even when Langston love comes back. So excited to see this game, excited to see how they guard Jacoby Walter with the number of shots he put up in this game. Um, excuse me, in the last game against West Virginia. Excited to see how Eve Misi does. Uh, hopefully better than zero points. I think it'll be better than zero points. And how Baylor starts this real gauntlet of death this last five games and how they push towards hopefully a share of or the outright conference title because this team is good enough to get there. They might have had enough hiccups early in the season, early in the conference season, hopefully like, that TCU loss that slipped through their hands doesn't come back to bite them or that Texas loss that slipped through their hands or that Kansas state loss that slipped through their hands. Like there's, there's any number. I mean, again, four losses by a combined 12 points. So that's what we're going to be looking at unless they win this conference. And it's easier said than done, but it starts tonight. Let me know what you think about this game. Some score predictions down below. What do you think about this situation with the Baylor coaches just headed off to Tuscaloosa? See you later, Baylor. What do you think about that? Drop that in the comments below. Be sure to like and subscribe and tell your friends. Thank you for making it your first listen today and every day. We'll be back tomorrow with wrapping up this massive game here on Locked on Baylor.